Ladies and gentlemen, what's up? This is BC. I got another special interview for you today. I'm going to introduce my guest here in a second. You guys know we do this podcast every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Shout out to uh, my real estate team. They sponsor this podcast. We're in 11 states now in the continental United States, and we're growing quickly. So if you guys are interested in finding out more about my team, uh, go to jointeambc.com. If you guys need anything, any help in real estate, you can contact me personally on Instagram, YouTube, or any major social media platform. So man, what an honor. Coach Anthony, man. My man, good to have hey, you here today, bro. How's it going? I'm good, Brian. How you doing, man? Happy to be here. Good, man. You know, I uh, I started following you a while back, you know, on Instagram and YouTube, and I just uh, I think it was right around the time that I started getting into boxing, man. And I just gravitated towards you and your channel and how you teach. And you know, here we are. You know, I thought you had a lot of good things to teach. I liked you as a person, and that's why I started kind of DMing you and, and hitting you up because, like I mentioned uh, when we spoke the other day on Zoom, the one that we didn't record. You know, it's tough for me to find people I can relate to and really connect with, you know, that seem down to earth and aren't caught up in the social media hype. So welcome, man. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I used to always see your comments and you always stood out, you know, so I was just like, you know, I was like, you know, let me see what this guy's about. And then I seen you had a really successful YouTube channel. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, man. So tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and boxing, right? Because some of my audience follows boxing and sports and they know you, but how about for the people who might not know you? Um, well, I've been coaching for now about 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. And I started off as an amateur boxer. Um, I kind of found boxing uh, in a funny way because I grew up in New York City. And, uh, you know, for recreation in the neighborhood where I used to grow up, everybody used to like to slap box. So it was kind of like an ego contest who had the best hands, you know what I'm saying? Especially growing up in the inner city of New York, everybody wanted to claim they had the best hands. Yeah. So, you know, I used to slap box and, and do my thing and be pretty good naturally. This is no training. This is just natural. And I get into a lot of street fights also as a young kid. I had a short temper. So eventually we decided to move to Florida because my family actually got a lawsuit. And uh, not for a whole lot of money, but about a half a million. And uh, they decided that's enough to get the hell out of New York. So they took that money. And they bought a home in Florida. When I went to Florida is when I didn't know anybody. And that's when I said, you know what? Boxing would be something really cool for me to get into, considering I always liked fighting. I always liked slap boxing. I always thought I was good with my hands. And I don't know anybody. And also, I was a little bit chubby. So I was kind of like, this is a good way to motivate myself to get in shape. You know what I'm saying? I kind of look like I was quarantining back then the same way I am right now. You know what I'm saying? So... So then I ended up finding a boxing gym and um, I walked into the gym really, really cocky, kind of arrogant. You know, I'm a New York City attitude. I'm in South Florida, West Palm Beach area. And I walk in, the guy's like, hey, man, what's going on? You, you ever boxed before? I said, man, I'm from New York, man. We fight every day. So he didn't like that when I said that. <laughs> so he was like, oh, you fight every day, huh? Okay. And he puts me in the <laughs> ring with a kid who had just won the freaking national golden gloves. And I guess he told the kid, let loose. And to make the story even worse, the kid was getting newspaper articles written on him that day. So I walked in on the perfect day. So this kid goes ahead and he beats the hell out of him. Like he beats me, like beats the pulp out of me. And they're taking pictures. And I actually make the front page of the newspaper getting punched in my face by the guy, by the kid who was the star of this gym. And then after the first round, they, he, he takes me to the side. He's like, you want to do another round? I said, no, I'm good, man. I was like, you got it, right? But then at that moment, 
um, that's when I told myself, I never want another man to have this kind of advantage on me ever again in my life. I'd never want to be this vulnerable. I fell in love with the sport. I showed up day after day. And he couldn't believe that I kept coming back. And then the next thing you know, I'm, I, I started competing as an amateur. I fought in the Golden Gloves state championships and I did a bunch of amateur stuff. And uh, next thing you know, man, I'm here, you know, that's kind of how it all started. Now, do you think that's a rite of passage for everybody going into the gym? Because that happened to me, too. You know, I had I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. You know, I don't know what weight class you were in back then, but I'm about 6'2", 200 pounds. And the first couple of times I've sparred, I'm going in there with guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 240, 250 that know how to fight. That did 40, 50, 60 amateur fights. And I'm getting the hell beat out of me, too, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And that's the first and second sparring session ever. You think that's a rite of passage for people getting into boxing? you got to get beat up or no? Um, well, it's inevitable. It will happen. Um, I think like, like the irony of my situation, the kid was like 30 pounds skinnier than me and he beat me up. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So that was another reason that humbled me to said, okay, I'm getting my ass beat by a small guy. Yeah. Um, but the situation was, I didn't know how to operate. You know, look, I can go down the street right now and talk to 10 men, men. You can't tell a man he doesn't know how to fight. I can grab a man who's never fought a day in his life and ask him if he knows how to fight. Yeah, I know how to fight. Yeah. Uh, uh. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you've never been in a fight. Yeah. You have no idea if you can fight. Yeah. But it's just our natural inclination as men to feel that we could fight. So when you go into a boxing gym, you get humbled pretty quickly because there's a lot of variables in boxing. You're dealing with skilled trained athletes. And then not only that, you're dealing with the, 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 the physical aspect of being in shape. And um, when you go into a boxing gym, you find out really quick how good you, you know, how much of, you know, of a fighter you are. Now, you might be a fighter, but you still need to be schooled. You still need to be trained. You still need to learn how to defend punches because you might be able to throw a few. But what happens when the punches come back? Are you going to be able to defend the punches? Yeah. So, you know, boxing is a humbling experience without a doubt. Yeah, man, I love that. And you uh, competed in Golden Gloves and actually won some tournaments. Yeah, I, yep, I, I did in the Golden Gloves, the Florida State Championship, the POW. They call it the POW. That was a pretty big tournament in Florida. Um, a lot of uh, open-class amateur fights, open classes, you know, anything over 10 fights. And um, basically, what ended up happening with me was I hurt my wrist in a fight. Mm. And I would always be in training and deal with this wrist issue that I still deal with to this day. If you see my wrist right here, this wrist goes this far back, and this one can go this far back. So I have really no range of motion. I have a tendon and a ligament don't connect right here somewhere. So whatever. That really threw a, a, a monkey wrench in my training because what would happen is when I would train, my wrist would be like this, literally. I'd have to ice it and take two or three days before I can get it back the way I wanted to. And um, I was just like, man, this isn't, this isn't going good. And then also I was always an entrepreneur spirit. And uh, I actually had a valley parking company back when I was like 22 years old. It was doing really well for me. And what really changed everything for me is it's cool because you're an entrepreneur yourself. Um, you know, for what, what was cool was like I had a kid, of, a friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name, but he was six and zero at the time. And he actually we fought an amateurs together and he fought all the way to um, the Olympic trials. And I remember him coming to me when he was six and oh, and he already fought on television three times. And he came to me and he said, Hey man, um, think I could work for you. And I was just like, what was going on? Like, 
you know, you fought on television. And this was before I knew the business of boxing. This was before I knew that, before I knew that guys weren't making money until they got to the big leagues in boxing. I thought once you fought on TV, you were already making some money. So when I realized that if this guy who's far more accomplished than me as a boxer isn't making any money, and then I'm dealing with injuries that are preventing me from being 100% of the quality fighter I can be. I was like, man, you know, I had to reevaluate some things and say, maybe this professional boxing thing isn't for me. Because I was still holding on to professional boxing because I had so much experience that I was like, I can go pro at 22, 23 years old. But then that kind of deterred my, my train of thought. And uh, then, I, you know, I guess that's why I pour so much into coaching because I never did what I wanted to do as a professional fighter. Right. And that was going to be my next question, man. And you kind of rolled right into it naturally. So you decide at 22, 23, basically, you're not going to pursue boxing. You're going to go 100% entrepreneur, right? Yeah, basically. But boxing never left. So kind of like you, how I go on your story and I'm seeing you in the gym all the time training. I always stood in the gym. I did take a little break from boxing for about two years where I just, after my last fight and, and, I, and I actually lost that fight. And, and I remember I had like a foul taste in my mouth and I just walked away from the boxing gym completely for like two years. I didn't even throw a jab, shadow box, nothing. And then I got back into it. And then when I got back into it, I was sparring. Like I got right back into it and I jumped right in and I started sparring like all the, the pros in the area because I already had the skills. It's just, I just did, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I would go to the gym, spar four to six rounds against a guy 10 and 0, 9 and 0, 8 and 0, a lot of good amateurs, I'm good amateurs and stuff like that. And that would be my physical fitness. Yeah. But I love boxing. You couldn't get me to lift weights back then. You couldn't get me to do those things. The only things that would motivate me to exercise was sparring and running. I used to love to run also. I don't run anymore, but I used to love to run also. And those are the only two things I would do. Spar run, spar run, spar run. You know what I mean? So that's so that's why boxing never left me, even though I became, you know, like you said, an entrepreneur. Dope. So you're running the, how long did you run that uh, valet business that you had? Um, we had it for a couple of years. I started off working for a company and, but I was like a subcontractor. Okay. So, so basically I would just pay them, you know what I mean, to, to work their locations. And then eventually I ended up starting my own thing. And um, it was at like basically at different clubs, strip clubs, uh, mainly strip clubs is where I made my money. Cool. And they ended up getting shut down because it was like a real, real hardcore, like kind of a ghetto strip club. And yeah. guys were getting stabbed, shot, whatever. So they ended up closing the club. Wow. And when they closed the club, um, that's when everything kind of stopped for me for a while. And I didn't really know what my next move was going to be. And then that's when I decided to open a, bo a boxing gym. So that was the first step for you then was getting into coaching was opening your first boxing gym. Is that when you officially stepped over to become a coach? Exactly. So what happened was I actually got into a little bit of trouble. Um, and then and in Florida, I got into a little bit of trouble. And then when I was done with dealing with that issue, um, I remember calling my girlfriend's father. Well, I've, been with, I've been with my girl for a long time now, but, you know, we're basically married, but we're not. But I'm, I'm really close to her really close to her father. And um, I remember calling him and saying, hey, um, you know, I got this money saved. I don't know what to do with it. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, the ballet parking company is shut down. I don't know what's going on. And he was just like, yo, man, why don't you do boxing? You know, he was like, you know, come up here to New Jersey, come check it out. Because I was living in Florida at the time and I wanted some change. I already was running through some situations. I was like, you know what, man, maybe change is good. 
So then I came up to Jersey, looked at the space, he looked, showed me a space, he sold me the idea. And then he was like, if you want, I'll go 50-50 with you. And then I was like, you know what? What I got to lose, man, he's going in 50-50 with me. So we went ahead and we opened the gym. And my goal at that moment was, all we need to do is get 500 members paying us $100 a month. We're going to do great. We had a gym next door that had 5,000 members, a fitness gym. That was our business plan, yeah. basically. Get 500 members. And uh, I was just going to hire a boxing coach. But then in the beginning, realizing how hard it was to actually get those members, I decided, okay, I'm not going to hire a coach. I'm going to do all the coaching myself yeah. to save money. And then next thing you know, people really liked how I coached. And then that's where Coach Anthony developed. Cool. Now, uh, when did you officially become Coach Anthony? How long did that process take? Pretty quickly. So God rest the dead. Um, there was a gentleman by the name of Coach Rick um, that I was a real big fan of. And of a lot. Of, and, and I remember living in, in Florida, seeing this guy. He was the first guy who could hold mitts exactly like Floyd Mayweather Sr. Mm. And uh, he called himself the mythologist. And I remember if, if you look him up on YouTube, he was the only guy who can hold mitts exactly like Roger Mayweather back in, uh, you know, 2008, 2009. So I remember saying to myself, damn, Coach Rick, man, that's, I would love to meet him. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I was watching a YouTube video and I noticed he had the 856 area code, which is the area code of South Jersey where I'm at. And I was like, oh, shit, he's in South Jersey. I always thought he was in New York or, or North Jersey. Yeah. So I give him a call, I get in contact with him and he comes to the gym and I meet him and I'm just like, holy shit, I'm meeting coach fucking Rick. And, um, you know, and this is when YouTube was like really yeah. fresh and uh, he started coaching at my gym. He was like, look, man, I got an MTV project that I'm working on right now. This is a beautiful facility. I actually had probably at that time, I was probably a pioneer of the way I ran my gym in South Jersey. People weren't running gyms like how I did it. I kind of came in with the classroom setting model. Um, I had classes set. I was teaching boxing classes. It was fitness. It was fun. And in New Jersey, it was old school, gritty boxing gyms. It wasn't like I kind of bought that business model from Florida, like the fitness boxing mentality. Right. So when I came there, he was like, man, I've never seen a gym like this. This is I love the coach here. So I thought he was a real boxing coach. I thought he was like an in-depth boxing coach. But it turned out that he was just interested in selling his courses on the internet. He was like, like I said, a pioneer. He was doing internet courses way before everybody. Um, he was selling mitt work on how to hold mitts like Floyd, Floyd Mayweather. And, um, and, and all he wanted to do was focus on that and market himself on the internet. And he was working with a couple of pros and he had an MTV project. So then I remember one day, he, I was like, yo, man, I love to hit the mitts. So I hit the mitts. He records it. He posts it on YouTube and he puts Coach Rick holding mitts for Coach Anthony. Mm -hmm. So when it was Coach Anthony, I was like, I like that. Coach Anthony. He's Coach go. Rick. I'm Coach Anthony. Yeah. So I took the Coach Anthony thing and just ran with it from there, man. It was, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and, and that's, how that, that's how that started. I love that, man. So when did you officially say, okay, I'm going to take this thing to online and YouTube and really start you know, starting my channel and really promoting it. Cause that's how I came across you. That happened years later. So, so what happened was I was running the gym for a couple of years. Um, it started out me working with a pro in the area. Um, and then after I was working with this pro for some time, I started working with another pro and then another pro. And I was really picking up on Instagram. I wasn't picking up on YouTube. Right? All my attraction was on Instagram, 2012, 13, 14. 
Um, I got some big opportunities when I got it, finally hooked up with a guy by the name of Hank Lundy. Hammer Hank Lundy fought uh, Terrence Crawford for the title, 140 pound title of the world. We lost that fight, but he actually had gotten some really big opportunities and fought on HBO like two or three different times, ESPN like 12 times. And I was with him for a lot of his success. And, um, and uh, then I used to see these other boxing coaches on YouTube at that time. And I remember saying to myself, I could do that better. No disrespect to those guys. But I remember saying to myself, yeah. I could do what he's doing, but better. I have more credibility. I have more knowledge. I throw the punches with better form and technique. I remember just saying to myself, I could do that. So one day, I don't remember how it started, but I just remember getting a camera guy involved. Like I, I overthought it in the beginning. Like I went and got this production guy. We recorded these, you know, these highly produced videos at the time. And, um, you know, I was doing these videos. It was becoming unsustainable because, um, because, you know, like paying him for every single YouTube video and stuff like that, right? So I made like a bunch with them. They came out pretty decent. Um, but then I started noticing people really liked it. I actually had a YouTube channel for two years before I took it serious, like 2015, I think 2017, 2015 to like 2017, 2018. I was just sporadically shooting videos up there with no yeah. plan. I didn't sell any courses. I didn't have any idea of, of how I was going to monetize and make any money or get to 100000 I was just doing it off the passion of teaching. And yeah. then after doing it for some time, I was like, you know, I love teaching and everything, but I got to make some money out of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If I'm going to be putting this out there, I got to figure out how to make some money. And then I just kind of winged it one day and did a footwork video that was like, really a beginner based footwork video, but I winged it. Like I went, you know what I'm saying? I got a guy real cheap. We recorded it. Um, it's probably 30 minutes long. And I put it on my website. I put it on Shopify. I put it on there just to test it out. And it did really well. And I was just like, whoa, this is a new world. What the hell? You know, I'm waking up money's on my phone that I, you know, my first time making money sleeping, you know, I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, whoa, this is different, you know? Yeah. And then um, that's when I was like, I gotta, I, I can't play with this. I gotta take this serious, you know yeah. what I mean? So then I started doing that. And um, that's basically how it became a thing. And then once I realized how many people really, really appreciated what I was doing and really like, you know, looked at my information as real information, I felt an obligation yeah. to make sure that I'm teaching the right stuff all the time fully explained because a lot of times you may teach something and somebody may get it the wrong way um, and they don't understand it. So that's why I'm able to teach the way I teach because I always think about that. I always say, what if he doesn't understand exactly what I'm saying? And I might've picked that skill up by working with so many people who don't know how to box. Yeah. When I work with people who never boxed before, teaching them how to throw a jab is totally different than taking a naturally athletic kid off the street who could just pick it up one, two, three. So when you're teaching it to somebody with no coordination, two left feet, basically, so to speak, yeah. you got to figure out different ways to, you know what I'm saying, get the information across. Mm -hmm. And I was successful at doing that in the gym and that transferred over to my YouTube channel. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah, the first video I think I saw of you was, um, I don't know if it's one of your more popular videos, you can tell me, I think it was like basic boxing defense. Or I think you yeah, that, that, that video too. exploded. Yeah, I think that's my most viewed my most viewed video to this day. I think I have to look, but I could have sold that ten minutes. Yeah, I could have yeah. sold it like because the stuff that I put in there, 
that I gave away in 10 minutes, people were just blown away. Like, oh my God, man, this guy went right into it. He didn't bullshit us. He taught us exactly how you do it. So I'm glad I didn't sell it because in the long run, it built trust. But um, but uh, at the end of the day, yeah, that, that video, I knew it was going to do well. I didn't know it was going to do that well. Yeah, man, you got a lot of videos that have a ton of views. I think the one you did with that young kid, the Philly Shell one, that one got a ton of views too, right? Yeah, because um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a method that I like to teach called the step back drop um, that I actually learned from one of my mentor coaches by the name of Dave Luter in South Florida. Um, big shout out to him. I learned that from him, a step back drop, which is basically a bend at the waist. And um, nobody was teaching that. Nobody. I can tell you right now, I've been around some of the best teachers in boxing. Nobody teaches it that way, but the guy who I learned it from. And uh, he's not a real big internet guy. He's not a real big, like, um, you know, he's not into it. Like he wants to kind of, but he's not into it. So, you know, when I taught it exactly how he teaches it with my own style, uh, people were just like, whoa. And they recognized the move because if you watch Floyd Mayweather, James Tony, Pernell Whitaker, those type of athletes, you'll say to yourself, oh, I see exactly what Anthony's teaching. That's a diff that's like, that's next level, you know? And um, right. only special fighters can pull that off. Yeah, I agree. So you, you hit a point, you said the first two years you weren't really doing it too seriously, just posting sporadically. When you started posting consistently, how quickly did your viewership and your YouTube channel blow up? Was it right away or did it take some time? The YouTube channel was kind of just slow rolling. Yeah. slow rolling i seen the numbers picking up and i was just like it's doing all right but you know i was like stuck around like the thirty thousand mark for a while and then um so this is when it changed for me so i was recording one day i had a videographer he was recording his battery died so when his battery died he was like what do we do right like halfway through the video and i was like fuck and then he was like give me your phone so then he, i give him my cell phone he records the other half and he goes, I can edit this together. I could put it together. I'm like, all right, cool. He puts it together. When we get to the part where is my cell phone, the quality of the video looked even better than the video <laughs> that he was recording with his video camera that I was paying him for. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it all changed for me. When yeah. I saw that, I said, hold up. I can do videos with a cell phone. Yep. So then... I started pumping out videos left and right because now all I have to do is, hey, tell my girl, somebody, hey, hold yep. the phone for me. Right. So now they're holding the phone for me. I don't need to hire nobody. I don't need to do anything. All I need is my brain and a cell phone. Mm -hmm. I would upload it myself to YouTube, you know, put the tags or whatever myself. And I'm like, man, I could pump a video out once a week, twice a week easily now. Yeah. And that's when I started picking up traction because I realized I was overthinking the production side of it. I was overthinking yeah. that side, not realizing that all I have to do is treat this the same way I treat Instagram, just post, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what I did, man. You know, people message me all the time asking me that. I'm like, for the first four years on YouTube, all I did was use my phone. Now I have a videographer, right? But I always use my phone. I never use mics, lights, none of that stuff. I would just record and just upload it, right? It was real, just simple. And people are like, man, how are you getting views? I'm like, it's the quality, man. It's not so much about... The production, like you said, it's about the quality of the content. And if you know what you're talking about and you have a good presentation, people are going to watch it. And that's kind of what you experience, right? Yeah. Like, look at what you're doing now with the podcast. Even with this podcast, when this, um, when this whole coronavirus thing started, 
I was like, man, I got to do a podcast. I was looking at all this expensive equipment. I went to a, a, a studio. My girl sings. We went to a studio. I was looking at him. He had all this podcast stuff. He was recommending that y'all could buy this, buy that. And then one of my friends was like, man, why don't you just do Zoom? Why don't you just do a Zoom or a live on a thing and just rip the audio and put it on? A, and I'm just like, you know what? Why don't I just do that? Yeah. People just want to see quality people talking about stuff at the end of the day don't get me wrong the production side is cool when you get to that level maybe but it's not necessary i agree man so i mean obviously you're doing well i know even before the pandemic your your original gym that one that i found you on was that the same one that you had opened originally or was it a different one no that was it man i had that gym for close to 10 years man um you know i was there for a long time and then um the pandemic hit, man. And what happened was we were actually getting kicked out that spot because um, that building was sold. They sold the building in January. So they came to us and said, hey, man, you got, you know, you got to leave. You know, there's a new owner. He wants to take this place over and turn it into a marble company or something like that. So, you know, I asked him, hey, man, can you give me a couple of months? You know what I mean? Let me get my situation situated so I can go ahead and find another location. So he said, all right, cool. So he was working with me that way. And then coronavirus hit. So then I was actually just about to open up another space, maybe a mile down the road. Yeah. And um, I was moving a little bit hesitant. And then um, the coronavirus started to pick up, but I was kind of ignoring the coronavirus. I wasn't really like really yeah. giving it any any real respect, I guess you could say. Yeah. And then um, and then uh, somebody was like, yo, man, make sure that when you uh, sign that lease, that they put a coronavirus clause in it. You know what I mean? Because this thing is starting to pick up. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's a good tip. So I go to the landlord that I was dealing with. I said, hey, man, look, I'll sign the lease. I said, but I just need you to put a clause saying that if the coronavirus affects the business, that I'm protected, I don't have to pay. He said, I can't do that. Absolutely not. So when he yeah. said that, I backed out. Right. Best decision I made. You know what I mean? I backed out. And then um that's when i just started to push the internet stuff to the next level you know what i mean because i was like man i'm not you know i'm not gonna be just paying rent and stuff and i can't even open a gym i mean the gyms are literally shut down here in new jersey they just opened a few months ago you know what i mean and even now there's still issues with it you know what i mean so it's like there's no certainty you don't feel like you're certainly you don't feel like you know owning a gym right now is the the best business put it that way yeah, man. I mean, uh, same thing in California. We're locked down like crazy and we have no control over that. You know, I can bring customers in the door, but if the government's not going to let me to run a business, then what am I supposed to do? Keep paying the bill, but no one's helping me pay my bills. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I really don't understand the concept. I don't understand how Walmart's open, but a gym is closed. I don't get the I don't get the concept on it. It doesn't make sense to me. I understand, you know, uh, the health factor. I get it. But, you know, I feel safe in the gym. I'm going to be honest. When I go to the gym, I feel safe. You know, I wear the mask. You know I mean? You got people who believe in the mask. You have others that don't. I think that that should just be your own personal, mm-hmm. your own personal thing. You want to wear the mask. Some days I wear it. Some days I don't. It's really ironic. It makes no sense. Like some days I'm around certain people and I'm wearing the mask around them. The next day I'm not wearing the mask around them. In my mind, I'm like, I was just around you yesterday without the mask. <laughs> Why am I wearing it today? I don't know. I just do stuff at this stage. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you want to wear the mask to feel safer, wear the mask. You know, I mean, what, what can we do at this point? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know, this is this is far beyond my level of expertise. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I agree with you, man. 
so you, you're selling some courses now, man, which by the way, are great. I bought one really, really good. I think it was the basics on a uh, footwork. I think I got that one really good. Where do you plan on taking that? Are you planning on scaling this huge? Are you going to be like touring and teaching people and going to different places? Where do you see this in the next two, three, four, five years for you? Yeah, my goal now is to take courses to the next level. I'm going to really, so now I'm actually in the process of like going with another company that's going more course-based oriented. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, you know, right now I sell digital downloads. You can actually download, I call them courses because they are courses, but at the end of the day, they're a digital download and the platform isn't a course platform. So now I'm going to go to a course platform and I'm going to put out as much content as I can. My goal now is to give it all away, you know, of course, for a price, but I'm going to be selling yeah. anything that I could think of boxing wise, all the thoughts that go through my head about boxing, my training, everything, you know, so um, I'm putting together plans so I can drop more courses and I want to ride this wave of selling courses for as long as this is a thing. And then, um, you know, and I also have aspirations to, you know, build a few more world champions. I've had the opportunity to work with Seven Farmer before he became a world champion. We became world champion, defended the title six times. Um, and now we're in, the, you know, he lost his last title defense and now we're in the process of hopefully getting him to win another world title. Um, and hopefully I could build up a, a few younger guys under him. You know, I'm starting to get a little bit older now. So now, you know, and I have a little more freedom. So, you know, I'm not working with tons of fighters right now. I'm pretty selective there because the fight game is a tough business. It's a hard way to make an easy buck. But at the end of the day, yeah. I do have aspirations of being recognized as one of the top teachers of the sport. And hopefully I could bring a few kids to the championship level and sell my courses and maybe have a little gym and, you know, just kind of just stay in boxing. It's kind of my lane. I love it. I enjoy it. And just figure out how can I make money in every area in boxing, whether that's from the fitness client, the professional world champion, the courses, the, the, the person who wants to fly in from the UK and do a two week training camp with me. I got all types of ideas and I'm going to, you know, implement them. And I think that's what I like about best man from our last conversation, even if somebody comes to you and they don't want to be a fighter, you'll train them like they're going to be a fighter. And I love that because in my experience getting into boxing around here in Southern California, I would go to a gym and they told me, well, you don't want to be a fighter. So get the hell out of here. And then I'm going to the fitness guy and I'm like, Hey, if you teach me, can I spar? He's like, no, we don't do sparring here. So I was caught in the middle because I wanted to train like a fighter, but the fighting gyms wouldn't take me. Then the fitness guy wouldn't take me. So I was like, man, who, who, who am I going to learn from? And it took me like two, three months to find a guy that had other guys that would want to spar and he would actually teach me, believe it or not, man. So I kind of like that, bro. And I think that's another reason I liked you so much is you, you practice with everybody. You have world-class world champion fighters and you teach the average Joe too, which is really cool. Well, 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 you know, I definitely feel that if you're going to do it, why not do it the right way? You know, I tell people all the time, you can't avoid the exercise part of boxing. You can't, you can't avoid it. So like when you have these fitness guys come in and they try to water down boxing with fitness, it's like, I understand that, you know, you, you know, you want to, you want to sell to the fitness person. You don't want to scare them. You don't want to intimidate them by going too hardcore. But that's no excuse for them learning correctly. That's like going to the weight room and lifting weights incorrectly because you don't want to be a bodybuilder. I don't get that concept. If you want to be a boxer, throw the punches properly, jump rope, do your push-ups, do your air squats, do your running, do your sprinting, hit the bag, 
do your drills is all exercise. Yeah. So let's do it correctly. So now not only do you gain the fitness side, you gain the self-defense side, which is the main thing that deep down, I know a lot of people want from boxing is they want to learn how to defend themselves while getting in shape. Yeah, man. I love that, bro. So I think this is a good time to stop coach. Thanks for coming on, man. I want to give you the opportunity now, if you want to shout out your Instagram, your social media, your website, please do. Yeah, man. Um, you guys can follow me on uh, Instagram at Coach Anthony. My coach, uh, my YouTube channel is Coach Anthony Boxing, and my website is CoachAnthonyBoxing.com. And uh, I'm constantly going to be dropping new uh, content. You know, teaching the, the 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 craft and different things. So just keep up with me, man, because uh, my goal is to bring as much value to you. You know, what I'm saying for the sport of boxing. Cool. Thanks again, Coach. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, brother.